Chapter 20, Fixed Heart Brigade. Where's the boat, Dad? Jack inquired. I sold it, son, Harold replied. Why did you do that, Dad? Well, I sent the money to Europe to help starving children. It's still very bad in European places and I thought the money was needed there. Well, Dad, I'll buy you another boat, but you need to keep this one. You need the boat to take Mum up to church at Avondale and to visit friends there. That's very good of you, Jack. The boat sure was handy. Harold dug up the backyard at Dora Creek, planting a lawn and flower and vegetable gardens. With more time available now, Harold took up his pen and began to write articles. Possessing Christ appeared in the Australasian record in August 1948. In this article he wrote, A profession without a possession is a tragedy. One known sin cherished in the heart will cut us off from communion with God. Therefore, how imperative it is that we know that we possess Christ and how to retain that treasured possession. The second coming of Christ, why the delay, appeared in the Australasian record in March 1949. His theme was, We are all Adventists in name, but are we in heart? He explored the reasons why the second coming was delayed, writing in part, No child of God can mistake the signs of the times. Paul writes, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Yet with all this knowledge the prophets seem to foretell a delay. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. This tarrying in no way reflects on God's promise. For has he not said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So this delay is chargeable to God's professed people. The scriptures tell us we can hasten his coming, if we will, by complying with the conditions, namely by preaching and living the Christ-like life. In May 1949, God's measure of forgiveness was published in the Australasian record. Harold's theme was the part of the Lord's Prayer which reads, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He encouraged all to have a forgiving spirit, writing in part, The sweet singer of Israel wrote, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So before we can expect an answer to our prayers, we must be sure that we are not cherishing a grudge against anyone. If we are, we must follow our Lord's injunction. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. The deadly peril of formalism appeared in the Australasian record of October 10, 1949. It invited readers to consider 2 Corinthians 13.5, Moffat's translation, Put yourselves to the proof, not me. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Do you not understand that Christ Jesus is within you? Otherwise you must be failures. Harold included scriptural warnings against hypocrisy and formalism. Harold pointed out that love of the world was not part of the faith delivered to the saints and outlined how love of the world invades the church in questionable amusements, dressing to attract attention to self rather than Christ, careless Sabbath observance, and inattention to the principles of health reform. 
it reminded readers of the dangers of formalism to their eternal interests. In the next week's issue, the following appeared. We especially direct the attention of conference and church officers to Pastor Moat's address on the front page of this issue as a guide in promoting Dorcas and welfare activities. Also, if you've not carefully read the leading article for last week, we urge you to do so. This exhortation by Pastor Harker, one whose long experience and loving concern for the spiritual welfare of the flock make him a valued counsellor, it will be for our personal benefit to study. Harold's articles continue to appear on the Australasian record. The Divine Refiner appeared in March 1950, dealing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and God's refining process. Harold concluded with, God is now engaged in the process of refining his children. Jesus watches beside them. He permits trials and afflictions in love to bring the dross of our natures to the surface. The baptism of fire consumes the sin and finally leaves us fireproof temples. Thus and only thus shall we be able to stand before our God who is a consuming fire. We shall then be like him for we shall see him as he is the baptism of fire will have done its perfect work. In June 1950, the Fixed Heart Brigade was published in the Australasian Record. This article seemed to capture the very essence of Harold's life and ministry. In it he wrote, Christ knowing all that would befall him for the redemption of our race, won through. Why? Because of his fixed purpose. He founded what we might call the Fixed Heart Brigade. For the Lord will help me, Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Isaiah 50 and verse 7. It was at Jerusalem that he was to experience the crisis of his undertaking, and the scriptures say of him, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. There was no variable as neither shadow of turning about him. He had a fixed purpose throughout his life. After giving other scriptural examples of the Fixed Heart Brigade, Harold finished the article with these words, Would that all God's dear people would link up with this Fixed Heart Brigade and say with the poet, My heart is fixed, eternal God, fixed on thee, and my unchanging choice is made, Christ for me. The members of the brigade are known by their smiling faces, their lives of victory, their joy and service for doing their bit for courteous manners and by their behaviour in the house of God. It is true that the devil hates this company and does all he can to hinder their march, but he is ignored. Their eyes are fixed on Christ. They will win through, for the love of Christ constraineth them. One more article appeared in the Australasian record while Harold and Anne lived at Dora Creek. It was entitled, The Secret of a Happy Life and was published in March 1951. In this article, Harold shared his belief that happiness comes from a life of inward peace and outward victory. He wrote, It's a fact sometimes overlooked that in the declaration concerning the object of Christ's death as outlined in the scriptures, far more mention is made of present salvation from sin than a future salvation in the heavenly kingdom. This shows plainly God's estimate of the relative importance of these two things, the angel that appeared to Joseph announcing the birth of our Lord said, For he shall save his people from their sins. Harold warmed to his subject. In brief, 
To secure that happy life, it is our part to trust, God's part to work. A real work is to be wrought in us and upon us. Besetting sins are to be conquered. Evil habits must be overcome. Wrong dispositions and feelings must be rooted out and holy tempers and emotions are to be forgotten. A positive transformation is to take place, at least so the Bible teaches. This change, however, takes time. Jeremiah's visit to the pottery is a good illustration of how this change comes about. The lump of clay, from the moment it comes under the transforming hand of the potter, becomes each hour just what the potter desires, even though it is very far from being the vessel he ultimately visualizes. There is perfection at each stage of the process, and this is especially true of God's handiwork. Jeremiah 8, 1-6 In order for us to experience happiness, we must surrender entirely to God, trusting Him fully. He is the potter. We are but the clay. Meanwhile, Jack had purchased another boat for Harold with the same Chapman Pup inboard motor in it as before. Now, Dad, don't go selling this one, Jack said to Harold as he delivered the boat. It's a nice boat, Jack, and Mum and I certainly appreciate your generosity. It will make getting around easier again, Harold replied warmly. That's good, Dad. I hope it serves you well, Jack responded, mindful of the fate of the previous boat. While at Dora Creek... Harold and Anne played a significant role in the establishment of the Dora Creek Church and the construction of the church building, which was opened in May 1951. Valerie Thompson, writing in the Australasian record of January 11, 1982, when the church building had been refurbished, provided a sketch of what happened when Harold came to live in the Kurumbong area. Being a dedicated Christian, he immediately went to work seeking out those who would listen and in a short time two receptive families accepted the message, one of whom was his neighbour, a railway worker. Because there were two or three other Seventh-day Adventist families living not far away, Pastor Harker determined to form a church company. In those days, the only churches in the district were at the village church at Kurumbong and the college chapel at Avondale, and of all the surrounding townships, Dora Creek was regarded as the least receptive. Pastor Harker asked his neighbour, the railway man, to accompany him to see if they could hire the local hall for a meeting place. Such was granted, and on walking away from the hall, Pastor Harker said in his typical manner, My boy, the Lord surely opened up a way for us there. But it was not to be, for one week later the hall was burnt to the ground, and it seemed that the Lord was leading the company to consider building their own church. Ground was soon purchased and money was donated by Kurumbong friends until there was enough to construct a very small church building. During erection of the building when work was taking place on a Sunday, three local Dora Creek gentlemen approached Pastor Harker, one of them being a Sunday school teacher, and demanded that they cease work on the Sabbath immediately, stating quite emphatically that they should go back to Kurumbong where they belonged and that no one at Dora Creek would be interested in joining their church. After a rather futile discussion, Pastor Harker referred to the incident as Satan sending Sandblad and his friends along to stay the work, Nehemiah 6, verses 1 to 15. Sister T.W. Hammond wrote a more extensive account published in the Australasian Record of June 18, 1951. It was entitled, The House the Lord Built, and subtitled, Fascinating Story of a Church Building Which Was Literally Prayed Into Existence. 
It related a series of amazing providences. This was the first providence. To begin with, Pastor and Mrs. H.C. Harker decided that if a suitable block of land could be purchased for 50 pounds, they would donate it. But when they discovered a desirable section, the owners refused to sell for less than 75 pounds. However, one afternoon, Mrs. Harker went across the street to visit a neighbor who in the course of conversation mentioned that her husband was anxious to purchase the corner block, but the owner refused to sell one section alone. He insisted that whoever bought the land must take the two blocks and could have them for 100 pounds. This made purchase easy for both parties, as Mrs. Harker was able to promise there and then that her husband would take one block for 50 pounds if the other folk brought the two for 100 pounds. So that difficulty was ironed out and the land donated. Shortly after, Jack visited Harold and Anne to discover that the second boat he'd given Harold was missing. Where's the boat, Dad? Jack inquired. I sold it, son, Harold replied. Why did you do that, Dad? Well, it's like this, Jack. We need a church here in Dora Creek and the boat was able to pay for the land. If we have a church here, I won't need the boat as much. Oh, I can see your point, Dad, but it was a nice little boat. Yes, it was, Jack. It served us well. The rest of the story is presented here based on Sister Hammond's account. The building committee convened with Eric Harker, Harold's second son, as the committee chairman. Wood was ordered and promised, but when sent for it was not cut. Harold tried to order elsewhere but without success. He approached another firm which refused his order at first. Harold reminded the owner that the Adventists had built and paid for Sunday school for the children of the district 50 years before. It was built by voluntary student labour and paid for by collections taken up amongst the students themselves. The owner remembered and agreed to take the order. The heavy timber, scantling and flooring arrived in less than two months. Brother Arthur Shannon was consulted in relation to the roof. He estimated that it would cost 100 pounds, but stated that he would donate the roof. This was not the first time he had done this. A builder was needed. Brother Fred Moore was contacted by letter and he agreed to come as his holidays were due any time and that they should send for him when the materials were on the ground. He came and stayed six and a half weeks, completing the building in that time. No mill in the district could supply the weatherboards or even make them, so this became a matter for earnest prayer, like the previous needs. Harold learned that 1,500 feet of cypress pine weatherboards had just been brought down from the north by Brother Russell Harris. Building materials were scarce at the time, and the person who had placed the original order two years before had built in a different material. The quantity was not sufficient, however, and the church resorted to prayer again. The same day, Harold was talking with the painter to discover that he had 500 feet of weatherboard left over after his house was finished. The painter donated them and the work was finished with not six feet to spare. Encouraged, Harold faced the problem of obtaining guttering, which was unprocurable. Brother Will Chapman found he had enough left over from his own house to go around the church and no more. Downpipes were off the market, but after fervent prayer, seven downpipes were given to the church. The plumber who had agreed to donate his services had gone to Sydney and couldn't be located. There was no other plumber available. Harold went out to a nearby job to discover the missing plumber there who promised to start work the next day. He couldn't start because solder was unprocurable. 
prayer was offered again, and two three-inch sticks of solder were found between two families residing close to the church. It was just enough to finish the job. It seemed as if there would be three months delay to get the lining, but a firm was contacted with Adventist Connections from 50 years before. They agreed to supply, but indicated that there would be a two-week wait. However, the order was delivered four days later, but was short of requirements. Brother Will Chapman came to the rescue again, making up the difference from what he had for his house. The joinery was promised for less than 50 pounds, but the invoice was for 113 pounds. Harold was anxious to have the church dedicated debt-free. He couldn't pay the whole amount, but sent a personal cheque for £13 before the dedication service and appealed for an offering of £100 on that occasion. The collection on May 6, 1951, when the church was filled to overflowing, yielded £82. On May 12, 1951, the attendance was 39 adults and 17 children. By May 19, 1951, the few pounds owing were paid and Harold's 13 pounds were returned to him as a donation. The Avondale College Church donated an organ and the woodwork instructor at the college, Brother Jeff Richardson, kindly built and donated the rostrum. On the front of the rostrum were four words of Jesus, have faith in God. These words were from the favourite text of Pastor C.J. Reynolds, Brother Richardson's late father-in-law. The record completion within seven weeks testified to the faith of Harold and his congregation in the justice of their cause. Harold served as the first minister of the church. <laughs>